2: The Sports Bar with danger and Bataglia. A pick six for the Steelers on the first play of the game. And the ball is out and
3: it's going yes. pick it up. And that's T.J. Watt running for the end zone. Steelers with the touchdown.
1: Fire Canada. Black and yellow. Combine that with the injury to Nick Chubb. And that was a night the Browns would soon forget. The
2: Saints are 2-0 after a 2017 win in Carolina. I want to move on to the Bills. The Washington Commanders. You are now going to face a defensive line that is
3: really, really scary, and that's something that you have to worry about. The Bills offensive line is going to have to come to play again, much like they did this past week. Mike Danger.
2: Bills fans climbing the fence to be able to be in the construction site. Gene Bataglia. The legend of the game. Can somebody get him a nice seat in a suite? The unfortunate injury sustained by Matt Savoy. Mel Tucker has responded to Michigan State informing him he'll be fired. I guess if you're watching right now, or you just want to see, I look like a lobster right now. You survived? You got the stab No, I'm burned.
3: 95.7 FM and
2: AM 950, the Fan, Rochester. Love football
1: season. Favorite time of year. We're we're in the middle of it right now. Fall is awesome. We're we're just it's a deluge of football, college and pro. But I got to tell you, when you have something like what happened last night, it takes you, it reminds you how fleeting a career is in the NFL, how quickly things can change in the NFL. I don't know how you felt watching Monday Night Football last night, but man, after seeing that injury to Nick Chubb, my heart sank. I've never met Nick Chubb. I'm not a Browns fan, but if you're a football fan, you can appreciate what that guy means to the league how that guy goes about his business. Man, I felt gutted after that.
2: Do the Browns use their out next year? That would be very brownsy, right? They have an out here where they could save some cap. Uh I haven't seen if uh the official word, but um and and I have seen the replay. And good on ABC last night, not showing that, but the timing of Joe Buck saying, Now we're not going to show you the replay. And then you hear they showed it on the screen. Oh! <laughs> the reaction. Hey, uh, say what you will about Steelers fans, but I think they
1: recognize real recognizes real. When you see how they reacted to Nick Chubb, a rival, who's just one hell of a football player, knowing after they saw that replay, Oh God he may have played his last snap in the NFL here in Pittsburgh the, the ovation they gave him as he was leaving the field was all class all class so that was uh, man I, I don't want to say that that was the highlight from last night but that was certainly the my that would be the the memorable lasting image from last night, it was one of those gruesome injuries that you just can't shake. You'll always remember the Thiesman injury, the uh, the injury sustained by Alex Smith in eerily similar fashion. When you see those injuries, Willis McGee, in, in yeah, you know, I mean, like you remember those injuries, like oh god, and and you just never wish that on anybody, let alone your favorite football player or, or just somebody that you know is good and brings a lot to the field each time that they step on it. So we'll, we'll dive into a little bit of what we saw uh, as week two came to its conclusion last night with a doubleheader on Monday Night Football. And of course, we're going to look ahead to week three and the Buffalo Bills traveling to Washington, D.C., to take on the Commanders. We welcome you into the Sports Bar. It's Danger and Bataglia. We sound our best in the free-to-download Odyssey app. We appreciate you listening locally at 95.7 FM and AM 950. You got us on your smart device when you ask it to play 95.7 The Fan. And... And our video stream, at The Fan Rochester on YouTube and on Twitch. A reminder that when we get to 1,000 combined followers and subscribers on both platforms, uh, between both platforms, Gino and I will get on stage and sing a karaoke rendition of Benny Mardonez's Into
2: the Night. I am not on board with that. I, I look, look, I... I, I You're working sing. against me here. Don't work I, against me. Like, We're trying to grow an audience, build a community. I, I, I will sing a song... I, but uh, does it have to be that song I'll, with that creepy? And, I'll sing and the also, line that makes you uncomfortable. Also, have you tried singing it? Like, I like the early years of Idol. I thought Idol because there was Simon just mowing people down. And I was you know probably not in the demo, but I enjoyed that show. And what was the one thing they always said? I'm going to sing Whitney Houston. No, 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 don't. Don't. It's the yeah. same thing with Benny Mardones. Have you actually tried to sing that song? Oh, I can I can do it. No, you cannot. Well, I'm going to try. No, you, you cannot
1: hit that octave. I'm not trying to make it to Hollywood, Gene. I'm trying to pay off on, on a challenge. <laughs>
2: but that's not going to inspire you, people. Let's hear can, Mike Danger sing that. Yeah,
1: I think that's what will inspire people is to have us perform at, to the best of our abilities. I'll even take a vocal lesson if I have to.
2: I would like to
1: do it with the Yacht Club band. Oh, like with the, them
2: backing us. Well yeah. they said if we get to a thousand that they'll be our back they'll learn it and they'll be our back. I think that would be fantastic if we actually had like, you know, those guys behind us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, then
1: now we've got a show. Or maybe instead of us doing it at Friday Football Talk Live, we just bum rush one of their, one of their there, concerts. <laughs> we go up on stage and we sing into the night to pay off our, our challenge here. So help us build our community on YouTube and Twitch at The Fan Rochester when we get to 1,000 subscribers and followers between the two platforms. We will sing Benny Mardonis into the night on stage at, at a Yacht Club concert or Friday Football Talk Live, whatever it might be. But you can be a big part of that. Just Spread the word. Put a little wind in our sails. Let everybody know that you can watch the Sports Bar as well as listen in the free to the free-to-download Odyssey app. You can watch us on Twitch and on YouTube at The Fan Rochester. Great show this afternoon, and we'll talk some of the fantasy fallout, especially from that Nick Chubb injury. Tony Cotillo of Winn Sports will be joining us uh, just before happy hour this afternoon
2: we're gonna at the gonna Sports make, Bar. Yeah, we're going to make it a point to talk fantasy on Tuesdays, and certainly we love having Tony on the show and reason as well. Tonight, waiver wire. So... All right, Uh, what's his name? Tony Jones from the Saints had a game in. Well, is that a one-week kind of flyer you want to take against Green Bay? Uh, What about Cleveland's offense? Because no Nick Chubb. Sure, you could plug in four, but is the whole thing going to fall apart? Or does everybody else kind of – we've seen this happen time and time again in sports danger when your star athlete goes out – oh, we can't really rely on that anymore. Bill Simmons used to call it the Ewing theory. Like the one time the Knicks actually got to the NBA final under Van Gundy, Ewing got hurt, and they were an eight seed. And somehow, well, wait a second, everybody got better around him. Well, that maybe that happens in Cleveland, or I'm just trying to paint a pretty picture for Browns fans here, maybe. We'll talk to Tony Cotillo. Some fantasy things coming up in the 4 o'clock. Yeah, and there are some injuries around the NFL to monitor that
1: have fantasy relevance. You can talk about Saquon Barkley who hasn't been ruled out for Thursday. This might be some gamesmanship on the part of Brian Dable. It's a short week. The Niners and the Giants will play on Thursday night. Saquon Barkley not officially ruled out yet with that ankle injury. Austin Eckler in the Chargers. I mean, a guy who's been relatively durable through his career who hasn't missed a lot of time. No timetable for his his return which makes you wonder is that more than just an ankle injury? No timetable for his return. What are we talking about in L.A. with with the Chargers and their star running back? So Tony Cotillo, win Daily Sports. We'll talk some fantasy football here coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Later this hour, as we do every Tuesday afternoon, we'll get back to talking Bills and Commanders with Matt Perino of the Syracuse Post.
2: Dan, I don't know, we'll get his thoughts on the get-right game that we witnessed on Sunday afternoon in Orchard Park. Yeah, I mean, that was as comfortable a win since when? Since the Steeler game last? year sure the opening drive for the Raiders okay the Bills can get a fourth and goal okay you still put up 38 points and I don't think you barely broke a sweat in that game so now is a tougher test now you go on the road um, but it is a winnable game the Bills are favored by six and a half points so we'll get the thoughts of Matt Perino and yeah, we, we're we not going to learn anything till tomorrow at the earliest, but got to monitor Leonard Floyd's situation, Micah Hyde. Um, you know, some of those injuries where the Bills had a clean bill of health here first two of games, maybe that changes a little bit this week. He's our friend. He's one of the best. Matt Perino, Syracuse Post-Standard shortly.
1: You can join us anytime on the Good Smoke Barbecue and Pub Wingman line. That's 866-4FAN. Award-winning barbecue from Good Smoke Barbecue and Pub. Their new location is at 135 West Commercial Street. Let's see. Today is uh, Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. Weekday specials. Wacky Wing Wednesday tomorrow. Good Smoke's chicken, pork, or beef gorditas only $3. And Wacky Wing Wednesday tomorrow. Buy one. Get one free wings. That's Good Smoke Barbecue and Pub, 135 West Commercial Street in ER. Happy hour after five o'clock, a round of shots. We'll get to more news and notes from around the NFL with
2: appetizers and some takes on tap with I'll drink to that. That's coming up before four o'clock as well. That was just not good football. Can we just kind of be honest last night? But it was football. It was the Saints and Panthers yawn. Um, it was also the Browns and the Steelers. I kept getting confused. This is like silly me, like them putting the score bug in the upper left of the other game. Like yeah. what am I? Oh, okay, oh that's you know, it was
1: great monitoring along if you're following along on, on X last night during the game. So many Steeler fans pissed off like, hey, ABC, knock it off with the split screen. If I want to watch that crap game, I'll go over to ESPN and watch that yes. crap game. Like you don't have to remind us. We know it's a double header. We're fans. We want to see the Steelers. We want to see the Browns. We're not really into
2: what's going on in Carolina. So knock it off with the split screen. Yeah. Can we, Put that to rest. I don't have a problem with, hey, there's just a little bit of a break and we're going to go to Van here for the update. That's fine. Not really anything update worthy. Oh, here's Bryce Young running for his life. Right. We
1: we don't necessarily even need the networks anymore to do split screen because so many providers and TVs now have that as an option that if you really wanted to watch two things at once, it's not a difficult thing to do. Or you just toggle back and forth during commercial breaks, like I do. It's fine. It you know you don't have to split the screen with the the garbage
2: that you're showing on ESPN. If you know, you said Steeler fans. If we if the Bills were on, we'd be losing our minds. Like really, like I I can't. (laughs) We would be. furious (laughs) furious <laughs> you're splitting the screen so we can watch car and the saints are you kidding
1: just another example of we have run out of problems we really have right with like when these become our biggest complaints in life like wow we have
2: really really spoiled ourselves we've completely run out of problems oh look we're, we're also maturing too that was an old rome bit like hey this video will disturb you when you say, oh, and then you see the actual, like the fact they didn't show the job injury last yeah. night.
1: Yeah, I uh, I wasn't actively seeking it, but I knew it was going to come on across my timeline at some point. And, and sure enough, I saw it. And when I saw it, you know, not squeamish, just like, oh, God, that's terrible. And to hear that it was the same knee that he had reconstructed when he was at Georgia. You know, I know that we've come a long way in terms of medical advancements, but man, it'd be shocking for me to see him make any sort of comeback. I'm sure he'll make a comeback and we haven't heard the last of Nick Chubb, but what will Nick Chubb be after that injury last night? Man, it it wouldn't surprise me at all if if he's done. Like, if this is it and we don't see him again.
2: Yeah, and there is your shining example of both sides of the argument, right? Meaning, do you pay a running back or not? If you're a running back, I need my money as soon as possible because one play, it's all over. That's true for any football player, but particularly one that absorbs the most contact, right? And if you're an owner... okay, yeah, I'm sorry. I got to be fiscally responsible if I'm a GM where, and and this would even go if the Browns somehow get production at the running back position. And I think they will, by the way. like Production for
1: them won't be a hard thing to come by when you have a good offensive line. Jerome Ford was fine last night. I mean, rushed over 100 yards, and and I have a feeling that if they don't go uh, and bring somebody from the outside in, that Ford will be just fine behind that line and it's the line that actually makes it go. Kareem Hunt is still out there, by the way, Browns fans. I don't know if you, if you fashion him
2: a phone call. Maybe he's just a phone call away. If you want oh, you him. could trade for Cam Akers, I suppose. Yeah, There's sure. always going to be some sort of option, but in the end, unless your highest paid player in the NFL at that position in terms of guaranteed dollars, and that is still his title, Unless he acts that way, starts to play that way, uh, I don't recognize this Deshaun Watson. Now, look, the last year he was in Houston, maybe you could have realized, like, they had only four wins. And wins are not a quarterback set, I get it, but... Uh, I can't imagine any team quarterback by Josh Allen for a full season or Patrick Mahomes for a full season or any quarterback that you would consider franchise would only win four games. But that's what the Houston Texans did the last year that Deshaun Watson was. So um, he also me- led the league in passing.
1: I mean, he had more yards that season than any other quarterback. Well, that is true. That as is well. a quarterback stat. I know that wins aren't a quarterback stat, but that's a quarterback stat. I, but I, some, okay, I'm not something, defending Deshaun Watson.
2: Something has happened. Yep. And I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if there was the layoff there that actually did him damage. Uh, something is not right and they've got to figure that out really fast because um are the Browns about ready to, you know, admit that oh we made a mistake and I'll I- never admit, admit that they made a mistake.
1: That's that's the beauty of this situation is that if if you're somebody who believes that the salary cap is a myth, then you'd be the first one to say well, they can just move on from Deshaun Watson. We just move on from him. Get rid of him. You know, trade him. Find find somebody that want. You know, even if if they were to do that, they wouldn't because they are just so arrogant that they won't admit that they made a mistake. They won't admit that they overspent on a guy who doesn't have it. Does not have no. It. He's missing whatever the mojo was that Deshaun Watson had earlier in his career it's absent right now and he's not alone you look around the nfl and you see it like we talked a little bit yesterday about justin fields he's lost he's just lost too many cooks in the kitchen too many voices in his head he's holding on to the ball too long he's not decisive we know what an athlete he is but they're not utilizing him that way and he's not being he's he's a mess He's an absolute mess. He's very similar to what we saw out of Josh Allen in week one. And we were saying this, like, Josh Allen should talk to a sports psychologist. You have too many gig cooks in the kitchen. You have too many voices in his head. He, he's running when he shouldn't be running. He's not running when he should be running. He's forcing all of the things that we had uh, against Josh Allen after week one. You can see consistently around the NFL with a handful of quarterbacks. And, you know, when you're a young, impressionable quarterback, and we saw one last night in Bryce Young... I worry about them. I I don't know how they get over, how they get that confidence that you need to have to play the most important position in football. I'm
2: sorry, Bryce Young ain't it. They were not rushing. And when they did, they like when they blitzed, he they were getting you know getting to him obviously, but at least they have Frank Reich there that can kind of guide the ship. Uh usually we have a coordinator falling right in the middle of September here, and I'm wondering who that might be. Well, heck, the Bills fired their coordinator after week two one year. So I'm watching Pittsburgh last night, and maybe what say Matt Canada's job was George Pickens in that elite speed that he has. Oh. Who told you about George Pickens? I don't know. Maybe it was our show. Oh, you had to bring him up. I mean, I was just
1: waiting, just waiting. Like, get the ball in the hands of six foot three 200 pound bulldog wide out with acrobatic abilities and fly paper for fingers let george pickens just be george pickens get the ball in his head i i, I don't get it um and i know Steeler fans are frustrated with matt canada blame canada blame canada the south park song yeah uh just ringing Deep in their heads yeah um the the it, it does seem like his his game plan is run, run, pass, punt, run, run, pass, punt, and and there's no creativity. And you know, Najee Harris isn't the guy. I mean, Jalen Jalen Warren looks more like RB one than Najee Harris at this point. So, but but Mike Tomlin is the head coach of this team, and he's never had a losing season. And oh, I don't know if you knew that or not. It gets brought up from mm. time to time. He um, he actually sympathized with the fans. You know, the fans who were chanting "Fire Canada" last night. Mike Tomlin saying, "Hey, look, we get it. We want them to be fat and happy and excited about what we're doing. And right now, they're not. And we need to work on that." I don't know that Matt Canada is going to lose his job uh, because that doesn't really feel like the Steeler way. They kind no, of work he, their he,
2: way he, through problems, right? But ultimately, that's going to be the thing that I don't think. Gives the You're not developing Kenny Pickett on a timeline that you well, should. And
1: that's, and that's the, the funny thing about this. I mean, it's his second season, and I'm just curious at what point Steeler fans look at their organization and, and kind of point the finger at them and say, you know what, we were all enthusiastic about the idea of a kid from Pitt being our, our starting quarterback, but when you really – kind of do a self-evaluation of what he is. He's a third-round talent. He's not a first-round talent. It's going to take a lot of work to get Kenny Pickett yeah. to where you want him to be. It's not insurmountable, and they've done it before. They've taken, you know, talent, late-round talent and turned them into superstars. It can happen for Kenny Pickett, but he is another one of those quarterbacks that I think has just way too much going on. There's too many voices in his head, and he's not able to just be... Who he is, and maybe you don't want him to be who he is, which is why you have the voices in his head telling him, Don't pass here, pass there, don't do everything is to the outside. And then when you finally do get it in the play into the hands of your playmaker, wow, brilliant! You got a touchdown. I mean, that's that's the struggle for the Steelers. I, I still, I'm gonna hold true. I, I think they're a 10 win team, I think they're gonna figure it out. I know they haven't looked great the first two weeks, but they're one and one. Oh, yeah. And I think they figure it out this season.
2: They still have that two defensive touchdowns yeah. last night. The
1: defense bailed them yeah. out. Defense bailed them out. I think they call that complimentary football, but the defense is still really good. Even out without Cam Hayward, uh, you get them, uh, you know, the first play of the game
2: is a pick six. <laughs> Yeah, everything you need to know about that game, though. Have you ever seen a game that, okay, we reached the end of the first quarter. Wait, there's a challenge. Nope, we're going to go back in time 30 seconds into the first quarter, and now we've won it again. Oh, yeah. Ah. Yeah, yeah. it's early season football. This is uh, a lot of people are saying that this is the byproduct of not playing a lot of starters and now listen to that to a certain extent. And I guess from the Buffalo Bill standpoint, yeah, I guess maybe that's a hope. I don't have any problem with Sean McDermott. If anything, I think he played him too much in the preseason. Uh, But now that you've shown here after week two, after an inferior Raider opponent, you get a tougher test here with Washington coming up.
1: Well, let's do a little bit to preview that uh, upcoming matchup in Washington. Matt Perino covers the Buffalo Bills for the Syracuse Post Standard, also does a great job on the Shout podcast as well. He'll join us next. We'll recap Sunday's win in Orchard Park. We'll look ahead to Sunday's matchup, week three, against the Washington Commanders. Perino next in the sports bar, Danger and Bataglia on the fan, Rochester. Mike Danger for FanDuel Sportsbook, the official partner of 95.7 The Fan. Get ready to start the NFL week off right because right now all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay for Thursday night football. Just place a three-leg same-game parlay on this week's game between the Niners and Giants and you'll get bonus bets back if you don't win. NFL same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday. Build your own or choose from one of the popular same-game parlays pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. Visit FanDuel.com Mike. That's my code. Put a little wind in the sails. You don't miss out on this chance here to get a no-sweat same-game parlay on America's number one sportsbook, FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 21 plus and physically present in New York, refund issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max refund $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. For help with a gambling problem, call 1-877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369.
3: Odyssey has sports for every fan. Keep up with your favorite teams from across the country and get the inside scoop from experts.
1: A-U-D-A-C-Y. Odyssey.
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well...
3: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The
2: Fan Rochester Sports Update. Buffalo Bills off today. They're six and a half point favorites for the next game on the road against Washington. Sean McDermott knows that Washington's defensive line will pose a challenge.
4: Yeah, very poised, very focused, business-like approach. Um, This week will be a big test for for our offensive line. They've got a very talented, a bunch of high draft picks on the on
2: their defensive front there. Matt Perino, Syracuse Post-Standard, will join us next year in the Sports Bar. Baseball, it's the final series of the season for the Rochester Red Wings. All on the road, all in Indianapolis, beginning tonight. In the majors, all the action under lights. The Yankees are hosting Toronto, Philadelphia at Atlanta Tampa Bay hosting the Angels. The Mets are in Miami. Sports is brought to you by GetMyPerks.com. Two-for-one season passes to Stokie Farms. Gene Battaglia, and the sports leader. The Fan Rochester.
3: They've raised the bar on Rochester Sports Talk. You're in the sports bar with Danger and Bataglia on the Sports Leader, 95.7 FM and AM 950 The Fan. Rochester.
4: It really speaks of uh, an unselfish approach and a mindset. Really, of this is what we're uh, what we're planning to do during the week, and then executing that on game day. I know that sounds it sounds easier than it is, but it really starts with a mindset, and then people staying on as unselfish as they possibly can throughout the course of the week, um, when their roles may not be what they want them to be, and then, but also remaining ready to go when their number is called in the game, whether it's early or late.
1: Bills head coach Sean McDermott, everybody with significant contributions to the Bills' first win of the 2023 campaign in Orchard Park on Sunday against the Raiders. We'll take a quick look back at that and start to peek ahead at week three as the team travels to Washington. We welcome in Matt Perino, the Syracuse Post Standard, and the Shout Podcast for his weekly visit here in the sports bar. Matt, it was the true definition of a get-right game on Sunday. How are you? I am
4: great. I am great. And yeah, I think um it didn't start that way, right? Like the first two or three minutes of that game I feel like panic was starting to set in a little bit and it's it's hard to even remember that now because of how the final fifty ish minutes of that game went. And you know, I think that's additionally kind of like a good takeaway from that game is you know, this is the same team that that's found a way over the last couple of years. Like even when they things don't go well early, you know they 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 tend to figure things out. Uh, I thought that was a big kind of step for, you know, Ken Dorsey to have a game like that where everything he was drawing up uh was working and had his quarterback playing on schedule, uh calm cl- like composed in the pocket some of the throws that he made while dealing with some pressure at times uh, which I did think the offensive line played well, but all things considered, I mean, where the where the, where they were and where they ended up uh really Good week too.
2: Yeah, and and I guess there's no answer to this when I ask you this question, but Josh Allen, like he'll throw you one of those games like he had in week one every so often, is. Is there any rhyme or reason uh, to that, Matt, why you know, every once in a while we still get bad Josh popping up? Because to me, okay, this this is fine. This is the way it, it should look. And I, I would think that this will be kind of now more of the norm. But at some point, I'm just wondering if, if Josh has actually learned here.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think there was a lot of play in that first game the more we think back to it. And, you know, Monday Night Football you know, the eyes of the, the country on you. I was listening to uh, TJ Watt before the game yesterday. He went on the Rich Eisen show on the radio and he was talking about, I mean, he's been in this league a long time. He's seen different players handle that, that Monday night football game differently. And there were so many expectations heaped upon the bills going into that game and like what that was supposed to be. And I think like, I don't think Josh did this consciously like this Aaron Rodgers versus Josh Allen, but I wouldn't blame him necessarily if he got into a place where he said, I have to do the things in this game to, 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 to win this game for my team. I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers versus Josh Allen, and you know they do a good job of downplaying all those storylines throughout the week, but that's the only real explanation for me to why he went out there and played the way that he did consistently. And you know he said something really good on Wednesday. I thought he, the way that he recalibrated off of that game was impressive, and he said, listen, I'm going to be in this league. If I'm in this league, lucky enough to be in this league a long time, I'm going to have these, these games where, you know, I got to bounce back and he almost like enjoys that process, that, that humbling process and being able to kind of appreciate when things go well, like they did on Sunday. Uh, he mentioned that as well. So it's kind of the experience. I mean, he said a million times, you don't want to ride the roller coaster in this league, but I I think Josh Allen is one of the top attractions, uh, when it comes to roller coasters in this league.
1: Matt, it felt like a lot of Buffalo Bills had their best games of their career against uh, the Raiders. We didn't hear Max Crosby's name at all. He was wiped off the planet by Spencer Brown. James Cook goes for over 100. Terrell Bernard gets his first interception for the Bills defense there at middle linebacker. Am I missing anybody? And and do you agree that, that a handful of Buffalo Bills had their best games of their career against the Raiders on Sunday?
4: Yeah, I mean there was a couple, you mentioned them there. I mean, Khalil Shakir yes. you know uh reappeared in, in in a big way in a big spot. And you know, it's funny because like you you look at how much time we spent talking about Trent Shurfield and Deontay Hardy. And if you take the first two games, you know, Khalil Shakir made the biggest impact play of the three of them. Uh and listen, Hardy, I actually, you know, was was watching the the commander's game against the Broncos and there was a play where Marvin Mims absolutely scooted past Emmanuel Forbes and and just left him in the dust. And I wonder if this week Hardy doesn't get a chance to maybe attack the third level uh, with his speed. We haven't seen that yet. They've been mostly using him in that short to intermediate area. Um, You know, I thought, I think, you know, I was really hard on AJ Epinesa in week one. I I went back and watched the game and I thought he had a couple of really good uh, pass rush snaps, which is important. Uh, He's not getting a lot of, Opportunities and, and those opportunities are probably going to shrink uh, depending on what happens with Leonard Floyd, obviously with the ankle injury. Maybe there's an opportunity there. But when Von Miller comes back, you think everybody's snap share kind of dwindles a little bit. And so that's a, that's an important game for an A.J. Epinesa who is probably going to have to you know, keep Kingsley Jonathan from, from take, taking that active spot. I mean, he went out there this week and offer more value to this team in the way that he prepared Spencer Brown, who you mentioned, uh, on the scout team, giving him all the Max Crosby moves. And I kind of like, we, got in, we do the subtext uh, now, uh, the Shout Insider text group, and, and somebody said, man, how can Kingsley Jonathan not get on the field if you know, he's able to do, uh, replicate all these Max Crosby moves? Why not see those moves <laughs> in a game against an opposing team? And I, I think that's interesting. I think that you know, Epinesa, there's some pressure on him to continually you know, build some momentum this season. I thought that was a pretty good uh, game, too, for him.
2: Yeah, Matt, I am excited to see when Von Miller comes back and you have on the opposite side Greg Rousseau. Greg Rousseau, to me, seems like he's taken a step here from year two to year three.
4: Yeah, I mean, he's been consistently, with his length, he's such a problem, and the way that Eric Washington teaches or emphasizes, I should say, all the pass rushers getting their hands up in this league with the way that quarterbacks can navigate the pocket. It's so important. We saw it play out. I mean, two huge plays, AJ Epines on third down, and then Rousseau, who ended up popping that one up to Terrell Bernard, who got his first career interception. Um, Rousseau's length and just presence, like I, I feel like he has, it's not football IQ, but it's just like general spatial awareness that I feel like. Puts him in a good spot most of the time on his rushes that just ends up impacting quarterbacks. And this week against a guy like Sam Howell, who's had a really nice start these first two weeks for the Commanders, has them out at a 2 0 start, some really uh, some good games, especially last week. I mean, I, I was actually really impressed with the Commanders offense going back and watching them. Um, but, you know, he's going to face a, a pass rusher. I mean, it's different than anything he's faced, it's different than a, a Randy Gregory. Um, you know, it's different than a lot of what, uh, the Broncos brought last week, which by the way, the Broncos had a lot of success. I mean, they, they ratcheted up the pressure. They, they, they got him to the ground a couple of times and the bills have to do that to have success in this game. So that defensive front for the commanders might be the best that they play all year in terms of just top four, uh, when they're out there, the, the overwhelming problem that creates for your offensive line. And, and listen, the, the bill's offensive line is coming off a really good performance. And so I think that that, it, it, it's good news for the bills, but yeah, you can't say enough about where Russo is. He's got to con- continue to bring this. And I think when Vaughn does get back, that's going to be really fun to see what this defensive line looks like. Cause they haven't even asked like a guy like Jordan Phillips to really have a huge role yet. in that second wave, they've almost been leaning more on like settle and Puna Ford in that, in that spot. And you know Shaq Lawson has had some run as well. So, uh, a lot of depth on this line, something we talked about all offseason.
1: Yeah, Matt, and, and there still are some questions with with this roster and the Buffalo Bills, and and specifically, I want to zero in on corner um, Trey White. Man, I want to see Trey White be the Trey White that we saw before the ACL injury. I still haven't seen it, and he didn't look good early in that game. And No, he was probably very frustrated with his performance. Christian Benford has been a revelation; is not just the best corner on the Bills right now, one of the best corners in the league right now, depending on which metrics you're looking at, and, and what to make of Kyer Elam not being able to get a jersey on on Sunday. What are you? What's your take on on the corner position right now with the Buffalo Bills heading into Week Three?
4: Yeah, um, I, I, that, that's some high praise for Christian Benford that you're handing out here right now. Uh, I think he's been solid. I thought that there were some moments in coverage against the Raiders that, you know, there's going to be those moments. You're going to get lined up against an elite wide receiver on the other end, and you're going to have to battle. And luckily for him, none of those plays. Like, I think there was the one Adams play where it looked like uh, maybe a completion and they called pass interference, and they picked up the flag and they called it a completion, and it wasn't. So like those little plays, like we'll we'll see what, as we get more of a sample size, how that materializes, but Trey White on the other hand, yeah, it's just, it hasn't, he hasn't looked like the same player. And I don't don't know, I don't know how much that has to do with maybe Poyer and Hyde not being the same version of the players that they were back in 2021 when the, when this group was playing at a really high level and it was Levi Wallace was the guy um, that everybody was, you know, fan wise, it, it felt like anyway, trying to find a new answer. But I'm not I'm not closing the door on White finding some level of sustainable success. I, I think that you know, we forget that he only played half a season last year, and I think that by the time you get to December is when you're really going to zero in on him, the level of, at which he's playing with. And now, listen, I I get the frustration because they're going to play a lot of top tier quarterbacks and offenses, and if there are any weak links on that in that back four there. Uh, that's not going to be good news against the Patrick Mahomes of the world. Joe Burrow. if that Cincinnati offense can figure it out, Lamar Jackson Tua in a couple of weeks here. So yeah, Trey white is going to be really, I wish I had more to, to, um, say about Trey, like maybe what's going through his head or his mind. He doesn't talk to the media. He's, he's, um, he's refused every interview request going back to the start of the off season program. Uh, did again uh, on Sunday was the first one out of the locker room, I think or one of the first. Yeah. Um, so there's only so much I could tell you about what's going on in the mind of Trey white, but we'll continue to ask uh, the coaches about it.
2: Yeah, Matt, uh, I'm going to break protocol here because, and we'll ask you questions about Washington this week, Matt Perino, Syracuse post standard. You brought up two in the dolphins there, they are at the top of the division. They come in in two weeks and with the speed, they present on the outside, that looks like that's going to be a problem. What is that atmosphere? What is that game going to look like here in two weeks?
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I think what we talked about a little bit earlier is going to be ultimately it, it, the deciding factor in this game. How to how do how are the Bills able to affect Tua, and how are they able to tackle once the ball is in some of the you know these playmakers' hands? I think one of the strengths of Bernard's game is his ability to maybe be a little bit quicker. To react, you know, in that middle, short, intermediate area, which is you know going to be his first true test. I mean, they'll have a mini one this week. Curtis Samuel is you know a nice little player in that area. They do some things with their running backs, but with Mostert and Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, and even like uh, Craycroft, uh, the, the, the the Barrio, some of the smaller receivers, and you know they have talented players everywhere in that offense. So they're going to be tested. Um, I think that the Miami Dolphins offense, or defense looked a lot better in week two, but still some opportunities will be there for Josh Allen in this offense. I, I don't think that this unit has the kind of talent on the back end outside of maybe a Javon Holland and at times Avian Howard uh, that's going to be able to really clamp things down. And I, Outside of Andrew Van Ginkle, I was actually under, under-impressed with their defensive line. And by the way, Van Ginkle, what, what a luxury it is for them to have a guy kind of waiting in the wings when, you know, a guy like Jalen Phillips, who's been so good early in his career, you can go to him when, when Phillips can't play. Uh, Obviously they still have Bradley Chubb who continues in my opinion, to be a little bit underwhelming, especially for the money that they paid him. That's going to be a massive game and, you know, really going to set up, set the stage for who the early favorite in the division is. I mean, if if we're sitting there and the bills are at two and two, let's just say they beat the the, the commanders and lose to the dolphins and the dolphins are sitting there at four and oh, I mean, man, the narrative is going to shift dramatically if it hasn't already started to.
1: So let's uh, let's focus in now on Washington this week's opponent. You mentioned the defensive line; it might be the best defensive line that the Bills face all all season long. Uh, I am curious as to uh, how the Bills' defense will perform against Sam Howell. You said you went back and watched uh, his tape from Week Two against the Broncos. What kind of challenges will will this Commanders' offense present to the Bills come Sunday?
4: they're, they're a really um, persistent running attack, right? Like with Gibson and then Robinson, like they have a couple of guys that, you know, whenever, whenever either one is out there, they're going to get tough yards. They're going to take on physical contact and you would, just like they did against Josh Jacobs this last week, it, they got to the bills have to do a good job of tackling and not giving second opportunities and, you know, making things ugly uh right off the jump and I think it was Josh McDaniels I was listening to his post game and it's like they couldn't get the ball in Josh Jacobs hand without there being a Bills defensive player ready to meet him before the line of scrimmage and to me that's that's what frustrates a run game and takes teams out of their plan is when you can do that early and then put a little pressure on with your offense the Bills have to do that because you know, I think you know the Commanders ended up. uh, The, the Broncos went up early, and the con- Commanders ha- hung around, then came back. And I think part of that was their run game, and they're going to lean on those screen passes. You can't get beat by too many of those. Like I think back to that Brees Hall screen pass, maybe a Dalvin Cook one as well in Week One. Those are the kinds of things that sustain drives, that kill defenses and momentum. So they're going to have to deal with that. And then Terry McLaurin is a legit number one, and you mentioned. That Trey White concern, like this is there is no weeks off. It feels like for this kind of first half of the season. I mean, it's going to go from Garrett Wilson to Devontae Adams to now Terry McLaurin, Tyreek Hill. Then it's um, uh, for the Jags Calvin Ridley, who's now a ser- serious problem. It's it, it, Trey White is going to be tested week after week, and you know if you, they show that he can make a big play late in the game, and they're not going away. This this Commanders offense does not. Go away. I think um, Bien-Ami, Eric Biennami has them playing some pretty good ball. There's a lot of confidence with Sam Howell. Uh, they have Logan Thomas. Uh, I don't know his status, uh, former Bills tight end. He had a great touchdown catch and got absolutely popped. Kareem Jackson got kicked out of the game for it. Uh, and I think he left the game as well. But everywhere you look, playmakers, and even when you go up on their team with the way their defense plays and can t- turn the ball over and can sack the quarterback and can pressure the quarterback. This has to be another Josh Allen dialed in like efficient effort because if you turn the ball over and you give that offense more life, that's when problems are just going to really start to bubble up, especially at their place. They played a tough game last year
2: against Commander. Yeah, Matt Perino, Syracuse Post-Standard, our guest. Matt, you you're, you go on the road for the majority of these games, and uh, certainly one thing that's kind of changed over recent years, the Bills have become kind of a team that travels here, so to speak. When the Bills are playing in national, it uh, feels like there's a majority of Bills fans. I don't know what to expect this week, to be honest, because I would think like if it was this were Daniel Snyder is was, uh, you know, Washington football team that, you know, all right, you know, maybe the bills fans take over there and I don't know if there's this renewed sense. And I guess we'll kind of learn uh, a little bit more about it, but what's your kind of expectation as far as what kind of environment uh, the bills are heading into uh, this Sunday?
4: Uh, it's going to be nasty. Uh, my, uh, I was ask, actually asking my sister and brother in law if they were planning to go to the game. They live in Virginia, and they're like, "No." Nah, there was a there was a fight on the news from opening week that's <laughs> kind of scared them off. And it, it is a it's it, it reminds me of like kind of like the Raiders lore. Like you know that it is a tough fan base. It is a very nasty environment. But I do think the Bills are going to travel well for our Bills fans. Um, they do no matter what. They find a way to get into. Uh, the mix a little bit, which could make for uh, a really dramatic deal. But, you know, I think about that too. And like, we saw that story out of, you know, New England with uh, the, the fan that passed away. And uh, I mean, there was apparently a couple fights going on in the stands. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's, it's great. Like these like really like passionate fan bases that, you know, kind of get into it in the stands. You see the viral videos that man, you see something like that. and It kind of gets your paws a little bit. Like, I uh, keep it. Uh, keep it to within means here.
1: Well, Matt, I mean, let's not parry the lead. You're talking about fights in the stands in Washington and New England. Did any fan base have a fan cover himself in feces while coked out <laughs> and try to get into a, a construction site? I mean, you know, nobody's doing it the way the Buffalo Bills do it. Let's be honest.
4: The, the just is the, the nuts and bolts of that story are just the most Buffalo Bills Mafia fan story of all time. Like, you go, you get covered in that and then you, you just want to go take a dip in the in the pool of water at the bottom of the big hole where they're going to put the new stadium i mean i'm surprised actually what's really interesting is that there wasn't a story that came out yesterday of somebody trying to set up a table down in that hole and, and filming that and, and going through the table and i don't want to put that idea out there actually i shouldn't have said that but um it's just debauchery at the highest level it was turned up uh at the stadium you Feel the energy, and I felt like the Bills matched it uh, in the stadium.
2: Yeah, Matt, and again, if you don't want to comment on this, but I mean, has there ever been like a worst? PR week for the Buffalo Bills franchise. Where okay, the, the the number four thing on the list might have actually been, hey, you were upset on Monday Night Football; and it was a bad loss. Uh, then you go to the the, the Trotter uh, thing that came out the next day. Then you actually have the the hot mic with Maddie Glab. We feel terrible. Oh, and then that's not enough. We have this idiot going over the fence. Oh, and I <laughs> forgot about Tequil Spikes. How could I forget about that? Oh uh, yeah, yeah.
4: I mean, it was uh, five for five there, right? Like really. <laughs> Brutal, brutal week. Um, yeah. The Maddie Glab situation, ah, man, it it really just feel bad for all parties involved. Um, it was a no win situation for anybody. And, you know, I've, I've said this before. I think I said it on a radio show uh, in Vegas last week. I've said things, I think we've all said things at work, like talking to coworkers that if anybody heard it would probably be like, it reminds you of like, Hey man, like, we live in a different world we live it like a lot of times you're saying stuff that don't have real meaning. you're just uh, you know talking trash talking whatever uh, water cooler stuff right uh, I've been there and you know I know Maddie and I, I feel for her. I also feel for digs because listen there's when, when there's a, a narrative that persists about a person and you know we talked about it plenty over the off season like a you know a guy w- had some problems in Minnesota they've been documented and you know now it starts to permeate out there that maybe unhappy in the current spot and you know this malcontent storyline and then you hear something like that and it almost um unintentionally like perpetuates that narrative again and so um again no party won. i feel like in that situation and um yeah
1: matt what do you got uh, coming up here for the shout podcast this week that we can look forward to
4: Yeah. So I got, uh, some cool shows coming up. We'll have, uh, tomorrow we'll have the staple show tomorrow morning. I'm actually linking up with ESPN's John Kime, uh, to get a a view into the, uh, Washington commanders two and O start. So that will be a cool podcast. And then we'll have the preview show on Friday, Saturday. Um, I don't know what it's going to look like yet. Um, Ryan and I are hosting, uh, a Q and a with Eric Wood, Eric Mould, Lee, uh, Evans and um, Aaron Williams, I believe, Sweet. at wow. the bullpen in DC. So that's going to be a cool event. We might film something there, podcasty. I'm not sure, but if you're going to be in the area and you want to come out, uh, we'll be there. It's going to be a fun time Saturday night.
2: Nice. Uh, we'll we'll safe travels down and uh, love love hearing the stories when you're on the road, Matt. Really appreciate your time as always today, one. Anytime, guys. Take
1: care. You got it. There he is, Matt Perino, Syracuse Post-Standard covering the Buffalo Bills, also on the Shout podcast, traveling to D.C. for the uh, matchup against the commanders here coming up on Sunday afternoon. You'll be able to hear the action, by the way. Pre-game starts at 9 o'clock Sunday morning, kickoff just after 1 on the fan, Rochester.
2: Yeah, it's it's funny how when we always look at who is the bill under the microscope— and after week one, well, obviously it was Josh Allen, but we were looking at Spencer Brown. Certainly Terrell Bernard, was the run defense his fault in those two big runs? All those are answered. We've, we've now shifted our attention. And look, I said this over the summer. I had this take over the summer. I thought Tredavious White, because of the cap situation, because of the, you know, you don't want to be paying at that age, at that position, he wasn't going to be on this team next year. So I said that back in May, not knowing... Where he was at. But it's bothering him. The fact that... And I didn't, I, I'm i glad Matt confirmed that. Like He's not talking to anybody. He's not talking to anybody.
1: The uh, life cycle of a corner, man. You can bank on it. And Trey is a great example of it. A more recent example that we can just put our, our our jeweler's eye on and look at it and examine it closely. Because when he came into the league, he was magnificent. All kinds of physical ability. He had the speed and the technique only got better with each passing game. And then you get to the peak where your, your athleticism and your technique are top notch. And then as you get older and then as injuries happen, well, then your physicality starts to go away. You start to see the player shy away from contact. You start to see the player miss a step and the technique is still there. You didn't forget the technique Trey White has the technique, but the physical elements of his game—that's what's got to be frustrating him because it's out of your control, man. You're injured. You're coming back. You're you're you know not you're not a rookie anymore, but you want to play like you're a rookie, and, and that's that's maddening. It's frustrating, and it's worth paying attention to here. I, I saw some some PFF grades on Christian Benford uh, cross my feed. I'm like, whoa. Christian Benford's having himself a nice start to the season for the Buffalo Bills. He's the top corner on the team.
2: Right, right now. now, he's playing like like cornerback one. Yeah, he's then, having the best <laughs> season. So same far. draft class as Kyrie Elam. and I, Look, maybe corner is that position that, all right, let's take a corner every, at the end of every draft. Uh, Tredavious White, if the Bills were to move on after the season, it would be a $10.3 million cap hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It, but, mm-hmm. it's a like 16.3 to carry him on the mm-hmm. so it's a damn if you do a damn if you don't a lot of football left to be
1: played before that decision needs to be made Um, appreciate Matt Perino stopping by to share his Bill's knowledge with us here in the sports bar. We're going to take a break and come back with more next. Uh, Our four o'clock hour will include some news and notes from around the NFL. We'll have a conversation with Tony Cotillo, our fantasy football Goomba from wind daily sports. Tony checks in from Philadelphia here in the four o'clock hour as well. We'll have some takes on tap and Gino. I know we, we kind of already know what our survivor pick is, but I don't want to deprive you of, of the announcement. Listen, we look
2: the brain of being, listen <laughs> listen uh, it's this is a week where there are a lot of options okay there are we'll dissect like, those it, options like, yeah the options are there but the choice is clear
1: the choice is an easy one we'll get to that with gino survive an advanced pick for week three you can join us anytime at eight six six four three two six. 4326 that's 585 866 F A N. More next in the Sports Bar. Danger and Bataglia on the Fan Rochester.
3: Odyssey has sports for every fan. Keep up with your favorite teams from across the country and get the inside scoop from experts.
1: A-U-D-A-C-Y. Odyssey.
3: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.